and welcome to episode number 182 of the Lions Podcast NFL Week 2. My name is Matt Brown, joined as always by Brad Allen, also by Stephen Andrus. You can follow them on the Twitter machine at Stephen Andrus1, at Brad Allen NFL. If you want to follow me, at Matt Brown M2. We are going to go through each and every game here. Some we have bets on, some we have thoughts on, some we might just kind of skip all together because we don't have really any interest in those at all. A very, very, very quick recap from last week, guys. Um, pretty, pretty great bounce back week for me after what was the uh the bloodbath that was the Super Bowl uh, this past year where I had basically the Chiefs every which way but loose and uh, got absolutely hammered and destroyed multiple different times. Pretty good bounce back week for me. Every single teaser leg hit. The Seahawks got home. The Cardinals got home. Um, even a couple of prop bets that I had. Um, Brad, pretty good week for you as well. Yes, sorry. Uh, yeah, the uh, Eagles got there, which was kind of the, the big bet of the week. Um you know, I, I, I said, I said in, a, in a WhatsApp group, right, that the Eagles are going to win by 20. And then I, I was annoyed at myself for not betting that. So I, I thought the takeaway was when you're properly convicted, you know, when, when you truly believe that a line is wrong, but like, make sure it counts, I guess. You know, find a bet some alternative lines, stick it in some parlays or teasers or whatever, and uh, make sure you, you get paid out properly. And Steven, kind of a mixed bag for you. You said um, so, some some good, some bad, and uh, a lot in the middle. Yeah, bad week for me on the prop side of things, so hoping to bounce back there. Uh, on the side in total, yeah, I mean, Brad and I, I just were all over that Eagles money line last week, really happy with the way we handicapped that game. And that's going to be an interesting discussion this week going uh, to a, a much tougher opponent in week two. And I think that's really the the biggest theme here, right? I mean, we hear it every single year. You want to react to week one, but you don't want to overreact. And I'm going to tell you now, a lot of the plays I have this week, I think are just too big of moves from the look ahead line for, for week two. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into it here. We'll kick things off. Saints at the Panthers. Of course, the Saints coming off that big bludgeoning of the Packers. We have the Panthers with a, a grinded out win over the over the Jets this past week. As we sit right now, three and a half is the is the line nearly across the board. There are a couple of threes that have popped in favor of New Orleans. So three, three and a half point road favorites are the Saints in this one. Uh, Carolina is, uh, look, Sam Darnold era, I think was an interesting little start here. I don't think that it was horrible. I certainly think that there's room to improve as well. Total 44 and a half, 45. Brad, you have a bet in on the Saints for this one. Yeah, um, so in, in my notes, for week one, I had um, like the Panthers' two big weaknesses are in the secondary um, and in pass blocking, and and neither of them were exposed by the Jets. Right, the Jets are probably the they've probably got the least talent on defense in the league, so they they didn't expose that that pass blocking weakness. Um, and yet, if you look at the ESPN pass block win rate, so it's basically how long the offensive line held its blocks for two and a half seconds, the Panthers were dead last in the NFL at twenty percent win rate right so they, they only hold the blocks for for more than two and a half seconds on 20 percent of the snaps and that was against the jets again so now you've got the the saints coming in here who are one of the better pass rushes in the league um so i think they're going to be all over sam darnold in this game uh, and then the other side of the ball 
obviously the strength of the Panthers' defense is the pass rush. So they, you know, they they were in, um, they were all over the Jets' six sacks last week. But New Orleans probably one of the top three pass blocking O lines in the NFL. So if they can keep them out, then the Panthers' weakness in the secondary, I think, is going to going to get exposed. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Saints are ideally suited to set up, ideally suited to uh, to kind of steamroll these Panthers. Um, and and just on a just on a power ratings basis, right? I mean, last week the the Panthers were rated like a point better than the Jets, or maybe a point and a half better than the Jets. Um, and uh, you know, the Saints are. I think they kind of showed us that they are still this team that steamrolled everyone over the last five years, right? Maybe, maybe they don't have Drew Brees in there anymore, but they're still very well coached both sides of the ball. They're still elite along the offensive line. They've got very good safeties, you know. So I think they're just a much more talented, better coach and probably a better quarterback as well. And uh, three, I thought was a bit cheap given the the relative sort of resumes of these teams. Steven, um, you know, neither you, we don't have a bet on either of, uh, you know, side or total in this one here, but Hey, look, you know, Jameis Winston, the number one, one week sample size, but listen, you know, let's just, let's talk about the, the, the data that we actually do have until we get a, a data set that we feel super comfortable with. But, uh, Jameis Winston, the number six overall graded quarterback in week one in the NFL, Sam Darnold, the number eight overall, uh, uh pass graded quarterback in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. So both of these guys go out, get it done for their teams here. And so I don't have a bet on this one. I would have a lean to the Saints as uh, like Stevens bet is on. That being said, uh, I am very interested in this one to see if both of these teams can replicate some some of the good that we saw from week one here into week two. I chose not to to take a side on the spread here. I have a, a preseason bet here on Carolina plus 475 to finish second in this division. Just hoping uh, for the upside there. I wasn't impressed with what Sam Darnold did in the first week, but I also think some of that was was the the Panthers' offensive line. Uh, they allowed pressure on 33% of dropbacks, which ranked 28th in week one. And that was against a Jets D that was bottom 10 in pressure rate a year ago and didn't have one of its best defensive linemen in Carl Lawson. So I have some potential red flags there in this matchup against a strong Saints defensive front. But um, despite that, I do think that the rushing prop on Christian McCaffrey is too low, sitting at 66 and a half rushing yards for him coming off an injury plague season a year ago. He was back to full-time status. He played greater than, than 80% of the snaps in week one, handled 21 carries. So, uh, for a, a bell cow volume running back here, I think 66 and a half is too low despite it being a, a a little bit more difficult of a matchup. So I'll take the over there. All right. So let's head to the second game on the slate here. The Bengals and the bears, of course, the Bengals coming off a big win that uh, eliminated me from survivor. That was the one pretty bad thing that happened to me this week. Uh, All three entries in the circus survivor are toast for me. So it was a fun week while it lasted. No, actually it wasn't. It was a very painful week uh, for me. Uh, Yes. So the, the bears, of course, the bears went out and I don't think we have any, I don't think we have anything to pull from that game. We, it played out pretty much like we thought that it was going to play out. Um, you know, it was Justin Fields. Everyone keeps beating the drum for him, but this is a horrific offensive line. So it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to kind of blame Matt Nagy here for not playing Justin Fields until week four, which by the way, he, 
he basically all but said he was going to play Justin Fields in week four in that Lions game, which is a super soft landing spot for this team. So it's hard for me to say otherwise. Um, Joe Burrow steps in after the injury, looks pretty much like Joe Burrow did last year before he got hurt. I mean, him and Justin Herbert as rookies being able to step in and just look like they've been there, done that for a long time, I think is something we're going to really look back on in a few years and say that is something you just do not see very often. The Bengals offense, I think, is going to be one of those backdoor cover teams all year long just with Burrow and those weapons that he's got. They're not going to have to backdoor cover here because they're actually favorites. I mean, they're actually uh, they're actually under a field goal um, underdogs in this one, Stephen. And we're actually talking at some of the books yesterday. This thing hit as low as one on us on a couple of the different sites out there. We've gotten back to one and a half to two and a half at a lot of them out there. But yes, this was a lot of action coming in on this Cincinnati team. I know you are trying to play this thing in the middle, it looks like. So week two, I'm looking for big differences from the look ahead line to where we're at now. And, and this is a big difference. The look ahead line for this game was the Bears minus four and a half. And that's down now to minus one and a half. And that's going to be a a bet for me with all due respect and apologies to Matt, your Messiah, Jesus H. Burrow. That's too big of a move for me. A three point move based on the Bears losing on the road to a top five Rams team a week ago and the Bengals winning in overtime at home. Thanks in large part to a Dalvin Cook fumble late in that game. So, I mean, these are two teams where the Bears in the win totals before the start of the year were a full game better than what the the Bengals were. So now you're telling me that if you remove home field advantage after one game and 60 minutes of football, these two teams are equal. I'm not there yet on those grades. So for me, I'm happy to take the Bears minus one and a half. I do acknowledge, though, that if you do think that the Bears are fraudulent and Andy Dalton's a liability and you want to back the Bengals, for me, the best way to do it would be to use them in a teaser leg now with this line coming down past the field goal. So you can tease this back up through the three and through the seven and get the Bengals plus eight and a half. Yeah, so I'm actually on the Bengals plus eight and a half in this thing as a teaser leg. I do not think this Bears team is very good. You look at this offensive line that was going to be a liability anyway, and now you got, you got Tevin Jenkins that's on IR. You've got uh, Jason Peters who didn't practice on Wednesday. You've got uh, all, another injury on that offensive line as it is as well. So for me, I don't see this offensive line getting it together in in a week. Um, and so I think that uh, Cincinnati has just enough to kind of make this worrisome, make this trouble on this Bears team and can keep it within the eight and a half here. I mean, I, I think that it's a very likely the Bears could win this thing. I don't think that the Bears win this thing by a lot. Brad, I know you don't have a bet on this one, but um, quick general thoughts here on, on Bears-Bengals. Uh, yeah, I much prefer the Bengals side. You know, I like the teaser leg. I quite like Bengals first half. Um, I mean, these teams, are. I think they're, they're both similar. They're both bad, obviously. But I think the Bengals are better on the offensive line somehow. There must be like three teams worse than them, but the, the Bears are one of them. And then significantly worse at quarterback. Like Joe Burrow looked good. They ran play action a lot more um, last week. Um, which is perhaps why they kind of managed to keep the Vikings off them. But if they do that, they can nullify probably the only strength of this Bears team, which is the pass rush. So, um, yeah, I, I just I just think the, the Bengals are better in, in key areas than the Bears. And uh, they're not playing the best quarterback, and the team knows that as well. So, you know, maybe that maybe that 
means they're not kind of fully revved up for this game as well. Let's talk the Texans and the Browns. Steven actually has a couple of bets on this one. I'm not going to play this thing. That being said, uh, my quick thoughts here is it would certainly be Cleveland or pass for me. I think this is a okay. We lose a tough one last week. We're coming out and we are going to smash this bad Texans team. Uh, Of note, it is worth uh, noting here that that Odell Beckham has already been ruled out here for week two. I figured this was going to be the case if they ruled him out in week one he was likely going to go ahead and miss this Texans game as well because they don't really need him um, for this thing I imagine Jedrick Wills will probably sit this one out as well to go ahead and heal up uh, the tackle there for the Browns that said um, that has not been confirmed one way or the other Stephen uh, you got a first half bet and you got a prop bet for here yeah, I, mean, I was thoroughly impressed with the Browns a week ago, despite the loss. So I like Cleveland first half minus six and a half. That's still available in a few spots uh, as we record this. So in week one against Kansas City, the Browns put up more than 300 yards passing, more than 100 yards on the ground. They scored 29 points. They led by 12 at the half. It was a couple turnovers in the second half that cost them a chance to win that game. So, I mean, this team's looking like everything we thought and hoped they would be coming into the season against a quality opponent in the Kansas City Chiefs. So I prefer the first half spread as opposed to trying to play the full game and having a Browns offense that that operates at a slow pace, possibly opening the chance for a backdoor cover there in the fourth quarter. Uh, in addition to that, the Kareem Hunt receiving yards prop over 15 and a half receiving yards I don't see a a reason or a need in this game for the Browns to have a heavy snap count for Nick Chubb in a game that they should dominate Uh, so I'm not changing my perception on the Texans after one week and a win against the Jaguars so I think that the Browns dominate in this game and I think that they they divide the 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 snaps between Chubb yeah. and Hunt fairly equally, which should mean this this receiving prop is a little low for for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, even from a fantasy perspective, I think Kareem Hunt's a starter this week for you because same thing for me. I believe that he's a guy that's probably going to see a lot of run. Brad, uh, 12 and a half, 47 and a half, 48, the total in this one. Um, uh, no bet for you or I, but like I said, I, I, I think this is a pretty big smash spot, kind of get right revenge spot thing here for Cleveland, like re- revenge of the first game of the season, I should say, not like, not like revenge against Houston, but, um, but I'm, I'm not going to play it. Yeah, no bet for me. Would would like the over. I think best of the four main outcomes. Um, you know, I, I don't really see how the Browns don't score whenever they want. Basically, you know, they mm. just maul them up front. Like you know, best O line in the league against sort of what one of a, a bottom tier defensive line. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's where the Tyrod can you know get you twenty odd to to take take you over the total you know in the back door kind of thing. Um, and I, I think he probably can. He looked superb last week. Um, you know, he's, he's got a few weapons with Cooks downfield. So yeah, I think over the the most likely out of the four mains, but none for me. Rams at the Colts. We are looking at the Rams as three and a half point favorites in this one on the road against a Colts team that if you listen to any of our preseason podcast, if you listen to me from this past week, whenever I played the Seahawks against them, I am very, very low on this Rams team. So it seemed to have played out kind of like I thought. That being said, there is a lot of people who want to play the Colts this week. 
I am not one of them. I am on the other side here. I'm playing the Rams at three and a half. Call me square. Call me whatever you want to. But listen, Xavier Rhodes missed practice again on Wednesday. Even if he does play, we know then at that point, he's not going to be 100%. Not only that, you have other guys that were missing practice on Wednesday as well. Darius Leonard didn't pl- didn't practice. Quentin Nelson didn't practice. Braden Smith, an offensive tackle, didn't practice on Wednesday as well. Now listen, Wednesday isn't necessarily the day that we throw up red flags on, on these things, but these are all guys that were limited or had some sort of something going on as well last week. And if they weren't able to get out there on Wednesday at all, even from a limited standpoint, then this is where I start to say, okay, this looks like this could be another situation where the Colts enter without a, a full squad here. So for me, really, really do like the Rams side here, which I thought I saw a pretty complete Rams team for one, Matthew Stafford's first start as a, as I mean, remember he didn't play at all in the preseason. So his first start with this team, I thought you saw a pretty good Rams team and a, t- a Rams team that can only get better as well over the course of the season as Matthew Stafford and these receivers really start to form a a little bit bigger of a bond here. Brad, you don't have a um, you don't have a play on this game, but uh, what do you think about the Rams as three and a half point road favorites at the Colts? Yeah, it's a tricky one because I'm I'm generally with you that that I'm I'm very impressed with the Rams offense. You know, I think Stafford in the McVay system is going to be I think they're going to put up a ton of points all year long. Um, The defense is where I have more questions this year. Like there was a huge brain drain on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they lost the DC. They lost a load of assistants. Um, Then they lost key defensive backs as well. Like two of them went to the Browns. So it's it's, in general, I think I'll want to bet overs in Rams games given those two factors do I want to mm-hmm. bet an over with Carson Wentz because he looked right. like he was last <laughs> year right holding on to the ball trying to make too much happen and I think that's probably a disaster against you know this Rams defense because it still does have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and um, they will confuse him right you know they, they disguise stuff they shift they shift as soon as the quarterback's backs turned so uh, yeah I, I think the number is is such where I can't bet it personally if it was three I might, I might bet the Rams um, but yeah I, I, I just I don't know it's a stay away from me because as I say I like the Rams and I don't like the Colts but the numbers the numbers just a bit too much for me yeah I I I fully I'm fully aware that this is one that I can end up taking on the chin this week it's just you know listen they looked like garbage. Carson Wentz looked like garbage against a Seattle defense that I think is is certainly not near as good as the Rams defense. And so is he is he going to be able to, with you know Zach Pascal being your number one option at wide receiver and and Paris Campbell being your number two option at receiver, is this really going to be something they're going to be able to turn around in a week and get something done against this Rams team? Uh, I just don't think so. So again, call me square, call me whatever you want to do. I don't care. I'm going to play the Rams this week, and this is going to be a prove it to me Colts and Carson Wentz week. Uh, Steve. Even you do have a prop bet in this one as well. Yeah, by the way, Carson Wentz's two leading receivers in week one were running backs. Not exactly ideal, but my prop here is a running back. Daryl Henderson over 54 and a half rushing yards for the Rams. And in week one, 94.2% of the snaps he played. That is exceedingly rare in today's NFL. Sony Michelle played just three snaps after getting traded. Sean McVay told us in the preseason after that trade that this doesn't change Daryl Henderson's role at all. I think they're going to roll with him. This is a Rams unit that was already top five on offense and rush DVOA a year ago. And in week one, this Colts defense allowed 91 rushing yards on 16 attempts to Chris Carson, almost six yards per clip. 
So in a high powered offense and what should be some positive game script, I think 54 and a half is is not adjusted yet to the snaps that Henderson should continue to play early in the season. Broncos at Jaguars. This is a Broncos squad that went out and looked like a pretty competent team against the New York football Giants. Goes out, win convincingly against them. The Jags, on the other hand, look like, and according to our power rankings over at thelines.com, the worst team in the league as they were blown out by the team that went in, considered to be the worst team in the league in the Houston Texans. Right now, the Jaguars. Six-point underdogs at home to the Broncos. And Steven, good for you, my friend, that you have stepped up and made a bet on this one because having a Jags ticket in my account is something I might not have all year long because I don't want to endure it. But hey, I'm envious of you, my friend. Jags plus six. What are you looking at here? Yeah, just like you and the Coles, I might take this one on the chin this week because I I do think that there is a chance that the Jaguars and Urban Meyer is just stealing money and this is a dumpster fire of a situation as the year goes on. But for week one and only 60 minutes of football affecting this line, I'm going to trust what the market thought of these teams coming into the season. The look ahead line for this game was, was Denver minus three. It's up a full three points to Denver minus six. Uh, the, the Denver win totals went from eight and a half and reopened to ten and a half in week one. Yeah. So and just it, to point that out, that's egregious, by the way. That is yeah. completely egregious. A five win team from last year that brings in Teddy Bridgewater and then loses their number one wide receiver for half the season in week one. Cortland Sutton did not look fully healthy, by the way, and they jumped two two full wins yeah. in the win total market. I, uh, I hammered that yesterday. Uh, and so I have the under, yeah. If you tell me this is 11 and 16 at the end of the year, then again, I, I'll, I just, I don't know what I'm talking about, but continue on Stephen. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm just playing a number here, right? I mean, this is, this is a Denver team that has seen a big change after one game in their outlook in the market here. So I'm going to take Jacksonville plus six. Denver was a three point favorite at the Giants. So are we going to just accept that they are now double that after one game at Jacksonville? I do not accept that yet. Obviously, acknowledging the fact that with more data, Jacksonville could be a dumpster fire. But at this point, I'm going to play a number here. The Jaguars and Giants were rated very similarly coming into the season. Uh, So for that to now be double the spread this week, I'm going to I'm going to play a number and hope that the after one game was just a small sample size and, and take Jacksonville on the points here. I will acknowledge, though, that that if you want to wait and see if this somehow with some public money on Denver gets to seven, I would you know, it's not a bad play to go to try and get that seven. But um, at least in the midweek here, it, it's been it went to six and a half and came back down to six. So I don't I'm not sure it's going to get to seven. Brad, you and I don't have a play on this one. Um, Broncos, uh, I, I do. I, I will ask you a question though. Broncos, real or fake? Is it just because they played the Giants there in Week One? And do you think this Jags team is as bad as they showed in Week One? Well, well you know, I, I like the Broncos. We I bet the Broncos last week. Mm-hmm. I think the defense is probably like a top five unit in the NFL, given the depth at corner and, and edge rusher. The the offense is good, you know. Teddy can just play point guard kind of and just chuck short passes out there. Offensive line is a question, but you, uh, you don't really think the Jags have got the the people to hurt them there. 
Um, the Jaguars. It's, it's tough, isn't it? Because I think historically you would make money betting the Jaguars. Like after after that, after getting blown out week one against the terrible team, right. now getting six at home. That you know, this is the spot. The this sort of the old school sharks, but like, right, yeah, we bet the Jaguars here. But you know, the the, the the kind of the noise coming out of the camp, Urban Meyer being asked about the USC job and kind of mumbling at his shoes. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't do that. So, and and in general, the Jags just looked underprepared, and all, all off season long, there's been mumblings about how like the like Urban Meyer doesn't want to be there. The the players aren't responding to his kind of rah rah college attitude. So it might genuinely just be a dumpster fire. So. As I say, I think the Broncos are a good team, so I don't really want to bet against them with a possible garbage team. So I'm just staying away and uh, trying to trying to learn some more. A very good chance this is the last time I bet on the Jaguars. All season. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I like I said, God, Godspeed to you, my friend, holding the Jags ticket. <laughs> Uh, Bills at Dolphins. Uh, the Bills, of course, lose in week one to the Steelers after holding a lead in that one. Block punt was the real big turning point in that one for Buffalo. They start the season 0-1. They are three and a half point road favorites in a game with a 47 and a half total at the Miami Dolphins, who do grind out a win there over the Patriots in week one, and they start out their season one and oh nobody has a bet on this one so we'll just do really really quick thoughts and move on as to not uh, take up too much of your time as you listen here I think the one thing I'm going to be paying attention to in this one is Josh Allen's accuracy he had one of the biggest leaps we've ever seen in history last year moving up 11 points in uh, accuracy rating and everybody was like oh he's fixed well he was not accurate in week one now don't get me wrong the Steelers defense is going to be one of the best defenses that we see all season long so maybe it was just the Steelers defense versus what they had going on that just didn't work out for this Bills team but I'm going to keep an eye on Josh Allen this week and see if he corrects some of those accuracy issues because it was certainly evident there in week one Steven you're looking here at this one you're trying to find out if the Buffalo offensive line is going to be able to hold up yeah, big red flag for me in week number one. The Bills' offensive line allowed pressure on 36% of their dropbacks against the Steelers. That was second worst in the league in week one after this was a middle-of-the-road line in the NFL a year ago. And uh, you might not think that's too surprising. You know, Pittsburgh, sometimes people give them the nickname Blitzburg, but the Steelers were actually bottom five in blitz percentage last week. So they blitzed on just eight of 62 dropbacks. This Bills' front was allowing pressure without the Steelers blitzing. That's a red flag for me, and, and that's the one thing I'm going to be watching closely in this game yeah. to see if it holds up better. Brad, uh, Bills lose, Dolphins win. Any takeaways for either one of these teams as you head into week two? Um, I will say that the Dolphins' defensive line is not the Steelers' defensive line, right? As Stephen said, you know, they, they won, the, the Steelers won just by rushing four and the Bills couldn't hold up in pass protection. But the, the Dolphins don't have those horses. They, they're going to have to blitz, um, I think, to get the kind of pressure that they want. And then that, that plays into the Bills' hands because... Josh Allen was like a top five QB against the Blitz last year because, you know, he's got the receivers to either win quickly or he'll he'll hold it and make a play himself because he's so athletic. So I, I think he matches up well against the Dolphins. Um, again, I, I've not bet it. A, because the line kind of reflects that the Dolphins got a fluky win and, and the Bills haven't dropped off. You know, it's saying the, the Bills are a significantly better team. Um, and then B, there's that sideline in Miami, right? They, the away team 
is basically in, in a sun trap in 90 degree weather on the away sideline. Um, and I've seen teams wilt over there, especially in the second half. Um, and the Dolphins start start getting big plays. So, uh, yeah, no, no play for me, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dolphins start, start getting some big plays in the second half. Patriots at the Jets. Uh, I have a play in this one, guys, and I play. I don't play very many look-aheads. I don't do that. Um, that said, some this week actually really, really stood out to me, and so I did and went ahead and played um, the Patriots here at three and a half. Um, this was a situation where I figured there would be an interesting um, line move once this thing actually hit. So I wanted to get ahead of it. Certainly that ended up being the case going from three and a half to five and a half as we sit right now. There are even some six popping uh, out there in favor of the Patriots. Listen, this uh, this Jets team, one, not only are they kind of devoid of talent here, they lose starting tackle Mekhi Becton. They lose LaMarcus Joyner in week one. You have a team that, again, allowed an incredible amount of pressure on Zach Wilson, who, by the way, given everything that uh, he had to deal with, I actually think handled everything pretty well. I think that he wasn't like a complete dumpster fire or anything like that, despite the fact that his team was one of the worst, again, uh, uh, fifth worst in uh, pass blocking grade, according to Pro Football Focus, on the week, as you would imagine that that was the case yet again. And so only the Ravens, Titans, Panthers, and Falcons were worse than the Jets here in week one. And so uh, Bill Belichick against this um, with an improved squad. Listen, they had the ball. They were going down, could have won that game. Of course, an un- uh, untimely fumble. And then their their hopes were were, were were dashed there. So them starting 0-1, I'm not really holding it against them all that much. Again, could have could just as easily have won that game. I am still down on this Jets team. Still looks like the same old Jets here. That said, I do believe they are heading in the right direction. It's just, you know, you can't help two of your starters getting hurt. You can't help the fact that, uh, you know, listen, you're still you're still a rebuilding squad. So give me the Patriots three and a half here um, in this one. Brad, Patriots on the road at the Jets. Belichick versus uh, versus Zach Wilson here. If you had to play it, I know you don't have a ticket, but if you had to play it, what are you looking at? Yeah, it's got to be Patriots and under. Um, yeah, I mean, Belichick against a rookie quarterback. Um, as you say, like the, the Panthers were shredding that O-line last week, um, mm. even when Beckton was in there. So without him, I think you're going to see a lot of exotic blitzes, disguised coverages, um, and I, I wouldn't expect Zach Wilson to look very good. I mean, you, you remember the seeing ghost game from a couple of years ago, Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see more of that. I think that was a lot of zero blitzes that day. So so maybe some of that. Um yeah, and then, then on the other side of the ball, you, you would expect kind of what we saw last week, lots of running game um, from the Patriots. You know, they, they dominated the Dolphins on the ground, nearly doubled them up in yardage, but fumbled it away, which is why they lost. So um, if, if Bill finds a running back, he can trust to hold on to the ball. Uh, I think we just see a lot of running from the Patriots and not a lot out of the Jets' offense. 49ers at the Eagles. Steven, you are, you got a lean here. You've got props in this one. Brad's got to play in this thing. I'm the only one that's sitting this one out. I got to get in on this thing here. But uh, 
Uh, Steven, let's, uh, we'll start with you. You have a lean in the game. You also have some prop bets in the 49ers versus Eagles. Again, this was a game where 49ers are coming off of a just an absolute blitzing of the Lions. Don't let that final box score fool you. That was not the way that that game ended up at all. And then the Eagles, with one of the most complete performances on the week, a pretty surprising, actually, complete performance. I think there were a lot of people, including Brad Allen, who thought they were going to win the game. I don't think he thought it was going to be a complete blowout where they absolutely just won at every single level of the game. They are uh, three, three and a half point home dogs to the 49ers with a total of 50 and a half. Uh, what props are you looking at here, Stephen? Yeah, briefly, I think Devonta Smith, the rookie out of Bama for Philadelphia, is still being lined like a rookie receiver as opposed to what his actual role is in the offense. I like over three and a half receptions for him. In week one, he was the clear-cut number one wide receiver in this offense, played more than 80% of the snaps, had a team-high eight targets and six receptions. So I'm not sure that this number has caught up to his actual role yet, even though he is a rookie. Uh, as far as the side in this one, this is a look ahead line. That was the 49ers minus four and a half. Uh, for me, I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm thinking about betting 49ers minus three. This is a 49ers team that that goes from being a nine point favorite at Detroit against a team that had a win total of five coming into the year. And now they're only a three point favorite at Philadelphia a team that had a win total of only six and a half coming into the season. So that's, that's the market overreacting to me to an Eagles team that really just beat up on a pathetic Falcons offensive line and a pathetic Falcons defense in week number one. I actually am bullish for the season on the Eagles. I think there's some upside there if they can stay healthy, but this is a totally different uh, change in class for their opponent that they're going to have to face in week number two. And uh, as much of the hate that Jimmy Garoppolo got a year ago for, for being injured and not playing well when he was healthy, I just think Kyle Shanahan can scheme up this offense any which way to get guys open. This is a, a, a 49ers offense that Kyle Shanahan has had quarterbacks ranked in the top 10 in expected completion percentage for multiple years in a row now. So he knows how to get guys open. Jimmy Garoppolo should be able to distribute this ball. Uh, and, and the Eagles don't blitz very much. So if 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 this these things can hold up, I like the coaching edge here against a rookie coach as well. I just think this is too... I just don't think the line is accurate considering what we thought these teams would be coming into the season and what we saw in week one from the 49ers offense at the very least. Uh, I'm curious what Brad thinks. I do have concerns about the 49ers secondary and losing their corner. But I do think this could be one of the most exciting games of the week. I think it has a chance to be high scoring potentially as well. Brad, you got to play on the total here. What are you thinking? Yeah, that's where that's where I was going with the with the over. So I, I like this Eagles offense a lot. We I mean spoke about it a bit last week. I think it's a very good offensive line, which is a bit underrated because it was they were so banged up last year. Um, and now they've got two good receivers. They've got good tight ends. They're always going to have a good running game with a mobile quarterback. And and Hertz looked Hertz looked good last week. The coach looked smart, like you know he, he was he was talking about. I need to tailor my scheme to my players. Um, if you look at the the pass, the like the passing chart, they seems they identified a weakness at right corner for the Falcons and just peppered them. So you know they're, they're happy to press an edge. So 
I feel like they, they've got an edge to press as well this week because the Niners have no cornerbacks, mm-hmm. right? He, you can say there was garbage time in Detroit, but the fact of the matter is they got passed all over as soon as Jason Vratt yeah. was out. And I, I can see the Eagles just doing the, the exact same thing. Um, you know, I, I do think if you're giving up that many yards to J- Jared Goff and, uh, you know, those receivers, then um, you're, you, you're vulnerable. Um, and then as for the other side of the ball, again, I think you can probably count on the Niners to put up 30 each week. Um, obviously, the Eagles defense looked good last week because they did dominate up front. I don't think they will dominate up front this this week because, you know, the, the Niners offensive line is, is very strong as well. You know, the, the gifts of Trent Williams just mauling everyone uh, all over Twitter this week. And so, yeah, then, yeah, that, that just leaves Shanahan to uh, to cook up cook up his wok. And um, I think they'll just mm-hmm. score 30 points because, you know, the Eagles, they're not that good in the secondary. They're not that good at linebacker. And if they don't win up front, they, they can be had. Um, so, yeah, I think we get, a, we, we get a bit of a shootout. One final note here, Jason Verrett, when he tore his ACL and, and left the game, from that point on, the Lions scored two touchdowns and Jared Goff passed for 150 yards and only three offensive drives. So that note from Brett Gibbons on our staff at the Lions. So that just shows you how much of a, a downgrade that secondary became. Raiders at the Steelers. Raiders coming off a gigantic Monday night football win to start the season in Las Vegas. The Steelers coming off a big upset up in Buffalo over the Bills. Uh, I am playing the overreaction here. And I am going to go ahead and play the Steelers at five and a half. I don't love it because I'm down on the Steelers as a whole over the season. But sometimes you just kind of have to swallow what you think is a team as a whole and move on. I mean, listen, Ben Roethlisberger was the lowest graded quarterback of any quarterback in the NFL in week one. But it's very hard for me to look past what happened to this Raiders team in week one. You lose Denzel Good, by the way, on the offensive line for the season. He is gone. Gerald McCoy now, he is gone for this team. Josh Jacobs came out all kinds of banked up, banged up, wasn't able to practice for them. Richie Incognito on that offensive line, also unable to practice for them. Uh, Marcus Mariota just announced this morning, he is going to miss uh, multiple weeks for them. Yannick Ngakwe, another guy missing practice, missing time. This Raiders team is absolutely bludgeoned and beat up, especially on the offensive line. And, um, you know, you don't have little trick plays that you can now run with Mariota to come in and try to get you those short third and twos or fourth and ones and things like that. And this is a ferocious, it's still a ferocious Steelers defense. And I think that you're looking here at a huge, massive, massive mismatch between the Steelers defense and this offensive line of this Raiders team. And I think they feel it this week and they feel it really, really fast and hard. And I'm going to go ahead and take the, the, what I consider to be um, a short line here on this Steelers team, despite the fact, again, that I'm, I'm actually down on the Steelers for over the course of the season. Um, Steven, I know you don't have a bet here. Thoughts on the, on this uh, offensive line. It looks like you're looking at. Yeah, I think that, on top of that, what do we see in Monday Night Football? We saw the Ravens sending extra guys on defense and, and the Raiders getting single coverage on Darren Waller and late in the game on Brian Edwards. This is a different situation with the Steelers defense that generated the second best pressure percentage in week number one against an offensive line that's that's projected to be, you know, not great. I mean, the, the Raiders offensive line came into the season ranked in the bottom 10 in the league in terms of the projections. 
Uh, the Steelers generated that pressure with the fourth lowest blitz rate in week number one. So they're going to have the option to just send four and double Darren Waller all game if they want to and help out with these other pass catchers for the Raiders. So that that's a big red flag for me in this one. And if if you are looking to back Oakland, which I am not, but they're notoriously slow starters. They trailed in the first half of seven of their eight wins a year ago. So the only way I would consider a Raiders bet here is in the live market. Uh, Brad, listen, uh, again, big win for both of these teams coming in here, but it does look like the Raiders are coming in pretty beat up. And it does look like that uh, we thought that Ben Roethlisberger was washed and he at least proved that to us in week one that he, that maybe he is incredible is washed. Uh, how do you see this one? Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you guys said that, you know, the biggest big mismatch Steelers D line against the Raiders offensive line. Uh, and, and the spot is bad. Obviously, you know, the, 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 the Raiders played overtime late night Sunday, late night Monday. What day was that game? Monday. Monday, yeah. Monday yeah. yeah. And then um, traveling across, traveling across the country now to an early game. Um, you know, that's, that's not a good spot and uh, the matchup is bad. So I, I, I preferred the under to the, to the Steelers just because, you know, mm. I, I do think Ben is crap. So, so I'd, I'd rather, ha- right. I'd rather be against him than have him on side. Um, but yeah, b- broadly agree with how you guys see the game. Vikings at Cardinals, Brad and I both have a play on this one, Brad. We are simpatico this week, my friend. We are uh, not against each other. I'll start with you. Uh, This Viking squad on my bad list, uh, not able to get it home. uh, Yeah, lit $3,000 on fire for one week of uh, for for one week of of play. So that's real fun. Uh, Cardinals team, honestly, though, top to bottom looked like one of the best teams in in the NFL. I mean, uh, from an offensively and a defensively standpoint, like this was one of the things I think here that really attracts me to this. And and we'll see if it carries over here to week two, Brad. But if this Cardinals team actually can play defense, they are going to be hell on everybody they play all year long. So long as the health of uh, Kyler Murray continues, you've got them as three and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, yeah, so it's two things, I think. One is, like we spoke about last week, I think the Cardinals' offense is underrated just because of the injury to Murray last at uh, the second half of last year. And uh, I think I think he showed us in week one, like it, uh, it doesn't really matter what you think of Kingsbury and, and who's calling plays because Murray is just like, an, an, he's an electric talent. Like, I, I, you know, if when he's on, like he was when he's healthy, I, I, he's not really, I don't think anyone's going to stop him. Um, and then the other side of the ball, um, it, the, the Vikings' offensive line was a problem. It, it was a problem against the Bengals, right? So now, now mm-hmm. they get Charlie Jones and JJ Watt, um, and Cousins again. He, he's not the type like Murray who can who can sort of paper over those cracks. He's, he's not mobile. He will just crumple up in a heap uh, and get sacked. So yeah, you know the rest of the the rest of the Cardinals' defense as well. Isaiah Simmons, um, you know, a few of the film guys I follow were saying he's like the most improved, uh, most improved defensive player in the entire league. And him and Buda Baker are just flying around the line of scrimmage, smashing into everyone. So it's it's like a it's like a chaos defense. Um, and I, I'm just not sure the Vikings are, are set up to be able to to block them very well. Meanwhile, the the Kyle Murray buzzsaw should uh, should not slow down. So uh, I thought Cardinals minus three and a half is cheap. Yeah, I do too. I mean, listen, the Vikings showed me absolutely nothing that has me thinking that they're going to be able to to step up their level of play a ton. I mean, listen, they went in and I understand, listen, you play you you 
you pay Dalvin Cook a lot of money and, and you want to show him off or whatever. But the one thing that I will give credit to to some of these coaches these days is, you know, look, if it's not working, then they'll just move away from it. Well, not the Vikings last week. They decided to run Dalvin Cook dead center in the middle of the line 20 times for 61 yards. Yes, by the way, that's a three-yard average. He also had like a, he also, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's one of those things where they refused to do what was working. By the way, Kirk Cousins was actually handling that uh, secondary pretty well, threw for 351 yards in the game and was one of the higher rated quarterbacks of the week. But still, let's just continue to run the ball dead center in the middle of the line and see what happens. So I don't have any confidence in this in this Vikings team to make a, a, a one-week adjustment here and and I think the Cardinals could really kind of ransack them. Steven, real quick, you don't have a bet here, but you are trying to play the Vikings. Is that right? We may be on opposite sides of this game. If I can get Vikings plus four and a half or better, the, the look ahead line in this game was Arizona minus one and a half. So if I get three extra points of value from that look ahead line, I'm going to take the Vikings plus four and a half. And I'll just tell you guys why in week one, you just mentioned it. The offense was pretty solid. They had 400 plus yards of offense cousins, top 10 PFF grade, uh, but they had 12 penalties for 116 yards. So potentially that's something they can clean up. And then on the defensive side, this refurbished Minnesota front seven that we talked a lot about last week was as advertised. They generated the third most pressure in week one and they utilized the blitz to do that. The fifth highest blitz percentage. So an interesting note on Kyler Murray from a year ago, as it relates to the blitz from November of last year, a stretch in which Arizona went one and three would have been oh and four if not for a Hail Mary. During that stretch, Murray was blitzed an average of 39% of the time over those four games that was up significantly from the first seven games where he was only blitzed 17% of the time and the Cardinals went five and two. So I think the Vikings are going to send guys after him to try and um, take away a little bit here. But uh, I, I just think it's a bit of an overreaction if, if this look ahead line goes up three points from the one and a half. If I can get four and a half, I'm going to be OK with that and take the Vikings. So, uh, hey, maybe they just win by four and we, we all win. Falcons at the Bucks. None of us have a play on this game. It's a massive spread. There's nothing really for us to say here. The Falcons looked absolutely atrocious. The Bucks looked as advertised. Um, listen, it's an appropriate line here. So we'll just uh, we'll move on to a game we do have some bets on, and that is the Cowboys at the Chargers. Uh, Steven, you are going to play the Cowboys here. Uh, coming off of, listen, a very impressive offensive performance in week one, but the same could be said about the chargers. You're going to back the boys with the hook here on the road. Yeah, I'll take the three and a half on the Cowboys here. In week one, the Chargers were a two-point road underdog to Washington. Now they're a three and a half point home favorite to the Cowboys uh, that that had these two teams had the same win total coming into the season. So you're now telling me that that the Chargers, um, you know, are about on the same page as the Cowboys after one game. I'm, I'm not a believer in that. I think this is a bit of a too much of a shift here. 
Um, so the, the Cowboys do have a couple of injury issues here and, and guys that are out. Lyle Collins is suspended on the offensive line, but they do get Zach Martin back. Demarcus Lawrence has a broken foot that happened in practice, so they're going to miss a significant portion of, of their pass rush there. What I did like was how great the Cowboys offense was and how flexible it was at the line of scrimmage. Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, came out and said this week that Dak Prescott audibled out of 12 of the 28 run plays that this team called so overcoming the coaching shortcomings against a Tampa front that you just can't run against and doing what worked for this offense utilizing their pass game to a, a heavier extent so I, I liked what I saw from them and if you're going to give me three and the hook here in week two I'm going to be okay with that against the defense that is not as good as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense I um I'm looking at the total and instead of the total it's not in my account yet uh I do have over Mike Williams on on receiving yards I think it's actually kind of egregiously low it's in the low 50s um when I got it it was sitting at 50 and a half I think it's moved up a little bit now but uh, I like the pace of this game I like the frequency of the passing that I imagine will be in this game, again, plenty of throwing. Look, the new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, there for the Chargers threw the ball early and often. I think that they probably continue to do that to take advantage of having Herbert, having Keenan Allen, having Mike Williams, uh, having Austin Eckler, who's also a good pass catching back out of the backfield. Um, I, I like uh, I like Mike Williams over, but I'm actually, Brad, even staring down the over in this game, even though it's up at 55 and a half, I don't know if this game doesn't play in the 60s, man. Like with the with the pace of play in this game, with the frequency of the pass in this game and the playmakers on both sides, and then especially the weakness on defense on Cowboys side of things, um, I could see this thing probably getting into the 60s fairly easily. Talk me out of playing the over on 55 and a half. Um, I would not talk you out of it. I, I mean, I think the Chargers will probably score what they want. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Justin Herbert is like a top five NFL quarterback already. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I mean, so the, the knock on him last year was, oh, he, you know, he wasn't as good in a clean pocket or he had unsustainably good numbers in a, in a dirty pocket or under pressure. Um, and, and he was also much better on third and fourth down. And then he's, he's, he's doing the same thing last week. Like, they're, they're 66% or something on third down against a very good defense. He's, he's forcing all these throws into tight windows, but he, I think he's just that good. I think he has that much arm talent and his receivers are that good that he can just make these sort of ridiculous plays that other quarterbacks can't. Um, so, you know, against the banged up Cowboys defense, I, I think they can pretty much score what they want. I, I suppose the biggest obstacle to the over will be this Chargers defense. Um, you know, they look very good last week, albeit against um, Taylor Heineke for half the game. But the the kind of guiding, the guiding principle in that defense that Brandon Staley runs is don't give up big plays. You know, is too deep shell put a put a roof on the put a roof on the opposing offense as uh, as they talk about it. So, you know, you, you're going to need some big plays to hit 56 at least. Um, so I, I do wonder about that, and, and therefore maybe the Chargers team total is the way to go. Titans at the Seahawks. Uh, none of us have an official play on this one, Stephen. You are at least looking at something here in this one. This is a this is a big time sit back and watch game for me. Um, see how the Seahawks kind of adjust off of their big win. See if this Titans team can get any sort of semblance of offense together at all. So 
I'm uh, I'm just going to sit back and watch. What are you looking at here? I just thought it was really interesting. This this over under opened at 49 and a half and it got up to 54. I mean, I don't think we saw a bigger move on the over under for this week. So, yeah, there was a big there's a big syndicate that uh, hits totals. And that was this was their big focus of the week. This thing this thing rocketed up um like basically overnight up, up like four or five points overnight. So um, they hit it pretty hard. It seems like, but um, yeah, I mean, from an overall standpoint, Titan showed me absolutely nothing last week at all. I guess the only thing Brad would be, are we look, are we, is this Titans defense as bad as we saw last week? I guess that's kind of what I'll be watching in this one. Um, and that is not a good matchup against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, and an offense which was kind of humming last week. You know, Shane Waldron was in there. They doubled their play action usage. I think they're at 44% or so. Um, and I think, was it Pete Carroll came out after the game and he said, uh, I've, I've never seen chemistry like this between a quarterback and an offensive play caller. You know, they, they ran the ball like they wanted to do. They hit they hit the short passes when in, when it was in the schedule of the, of the offense and then they hit the deep balls like they always do. So I think the Seahawks offense could be very, very, very scary and especially against a defense with no discernible cornerback talent. Um, I think the bigger questions on the Titans offense, um, they kind of regressed. They they went the opposite way. Now, again, everyone will tell you don't overreact, but I think there might be some signal, A, in the the play action rate. You know, they, they did the opposite of the Seahawks. They went from like 33% last year when, when Art Smith was in charge down to about 11%. Um, I think Tannehill attempted two play action passes. Mm. Um, and then, there, you know, no, no other motion or anything like that that, you could speak of so and then then the other thing was the lack of targets to to julio and aj brown right we would say the weakness of the cardinals defense is the cornerbacks um and that i think midway through the second quarter those two sort of elite wide receivers had zero, zero targets um so i would say i would say i'd be very concerned about this uh, titans offense that they're not sharp that they're not being well run um so Again, it'd be unlike the Seahawks to win two in a row comfortably, but uh, that that would be the only way I could look at this one. Chiefs at Ravens on Sunday night football. Uh, I have a couple of plays in this one, and I actually played. I talked. To, I said I had a couple of look ahead plays this week, and this one jumped off the page to me. The look ahead line on this was a point and a half in favor of the Chiefs. I uh, I played that instantly, and even though it popped back up at three. After the Chiefs played, um, it was before the Ravens played because Ravens didn't play till Monday night. And so even when the three popped back up and I was able to get a higher limit, um, I played the Chiefs at three yet again. Um, that Ravens team, I think they have serious, serious problems on the offensive line. Guys, they lost one of the starting offensive linemen as it was anyway on an offensive line in which Lamar Jackson got pressured 54% of his dropbacks in that game against the Raiders. It is absolutely absurd. He was running for his life. What you saw last week from the Chiefs as well. Yes, they gave up some points to the Browns, but I think the Browns are going to be one of the better teams in the league, if not one of the top three or four teams in the league. Also on the defensive side of the ball, they're without Teron Matthew. They're without Frank Clark. They're going to get Matthew back for sure. Frank Clark looks like he probably could be a go for them as well. That's two starters for this Chiefs defense that were not out there and playing last week. I understand that this seems like this whole overreaction thing and, oh, don't overreact to one game for the Ravens. This Ravens offense 
runs on that power running game. And while we think that running backs don't matter in the NFL, and I tend to agree more times than not, when you lose your first string, your second string, and your third string running back, and you rely so heavily on this kind of read, one, they run a ton of read option things. They run a ton of these little RPOs and stuff like that to keep the defenses guessing for Lamar Jackson. Well, when you're having to insert a guy off the street, which by the way, they just activated Devontae Freeman onto the active practice, uh, onto the active squad after signing, uh, after going out and signing, uh, after playing uh, 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 Tritton Cannon, right? It was, uh, no, no, he he went to the 49ers uh, after playing Tyson Williams, who's a second year undrafted rookie all last week. So it's, um, to me, I think that they w- could get better over the course of the season as these running backs get more familiar and comfortable with the system and understanding the tendencies of Lamar Jackson. But I don't think that's something you can literally just flip a switch on and say like, oh, okay, just step right in. And then this complex kind of running scheme that we do where Lamar Jackson's either going to give it to you or he's going to keep it or he's whatever, or he's going to pull it out and throw all these different things. I think uh, you can't just really just uh, change overnight. So for me, all over the Chiefs in this one, I feel great about having this Chiefs ticket. The look ahead line, even though you can't get a ton down on a look ahead line at a point and a half, having the Chiefs at a point and a half in my account Right now, Brad, it might be my favorite bet of 2021. This might be like this having this ticket in my account might be the favorite my favorite bet. I mean, this Ravens team's coming in beat up. I think this offensive line has some serious, serious concerns. And Lamar Jackson, at the end of the day, I understand he was under pressure a lot, but he's still just an inaccurate passer. He still is just not an accurate passer when it all comes down to it. And so I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs could end up just smashing this game. What say you? Yeah, um, I mean, the, as you said, the tackles are a problem. It's, you know, the Raiders' pass rush is is has been, is, you know, it's is not fearsome, and they made it look yeah. fearsome because you know they've got Villanueva playing right tackle after like eight years playing left tackle, and he looked like he didn't know where, what he was doing. And um, you know, offensive linemen will say it's 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 like trying to do something left-handed. It's not easy to do. Mm. So is he going to sort that out in in six days? Probably not. Especially you know if the Steelers released him, um, and their offensive line is terrible, he, he might not have much left. And then Ronnie Stanley on the left side, he was meant to be the, the kind of the, the savior. Um, well, he's coming off a broken leg, and again the the, ta- the tape grinders said he, he didn't look himself. He didn't trust his leg. He didn't trust his technique because he's you know he's it, it takes a while. You to be a 300 plus yeah. pound man just to trust your leg so yeah I think I think the Chiefs will have some some joy there and then on the other side of the ball we kind of said for a couple of years that Mahomes is Ravens kryptonite because they love to blitz they you know they blitzed last week got them into trouble um, because they, they, they don't get the pressure that you'd want with four like the Steelers can um, and Mahomes has torched the blitz ever since he's been in the league um you know, because you, you basically ca- cannot cover Tyreek and Kelsey one-on-one mm-hmm. and you can probably only double one of them. So, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. I, yeah, I've not bet it at three and a half. If it gets to three, I probably will bet it. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to wait for now. Stephen, no Breaking bet for news, you. Matt. Yeah. Breaking news. Uh, the According to Jason Locke and Fora, the Ravens are preparing to be without left tackle Ronnie Staley in this game. So in in addition to that, I just wanted to note that the Ravens offensive line gave up that pressure a week ago against a Raiders defense that blitzed on fewer snaps than any team in the NFL in week one. They only blitzed on two of 40 snaps. So two big things to to note there. Uh, 
Let's head to Monday Night Football. Uh, Brad, you're the only one with a bet on this one. Steven, you and I will sit this one out. We'll talk about it on Monday. Um, but take us home here, Brad, on Lions and Packers. You're looking more at the total. Of course, this is a massive spread. Uh, Packers, 11-point favorites in this thing. Um, yeah, this is a tricky one. Um, you know, the, obviously the Packers got demolished. Um, I would say that they'll be fine. Um, you know, Lafleur was talking after the game. He, he was saying, "Oh, we expect them to come in here with a blitz, blitz-heavy package," um, and and they didn't. They they sat in cover two and um, confused them. Meanwhile, the Saints ran fifteen play drives and yeah, it just got away from them. So I, th- I think they'll be back to back to normal here, especially against the Lions' defense, um, missing missing their corner, missing Jeff Okuda. So the, the, again, there's there's not much talent at all on that side of the ball, uh, and I would expect I would expect them to go up and down the field. So what do we expect from the Lions? Again, that, that's tough to say. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think the Packers' defense is a question mark. Um, the coordinator Joe Barry, he obviously was pulled from the Rams to play uh, to play that Rams style defense, but He's never coordinated a good defense. I mean, I think he's got five years as a D coordinator, and like best against the yards per pass is like twenty sixth. So they might just be bad, right? They might just not be able to stop the run, um, which well, they've never been able to stop the run, but they didn't stop the pass last week either. Um, so I think the Lions will have success rushing the ball. Um, so yeah, but maybe over forty eight is the look here. Um, but again, not one I'm too confident on. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia, 1-800-270-7117. For confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Guys, as always, all written breakdowns over at the lines uh, for every single game, multiple different ways, multiple different angles, power ratings. If you want to go in and compare how we think that these teams stack up against one another, uh, definitely go in and take a look at all of those as well. We'll have individual videos for Sunday Night Football, for Monday Night Football as well. So be sure and subscribe over at the YouTube channel if you aren't watching this currently on YouTube as we sit right now. Steven. A plus six on the Jags, my friend. You take the cake this week for the boldest bet. I am I am rooting for you, my friend, because you are going to have to watch a Jaguars game because you have a bet on it. So that's like the, that is that is the main takeaway from the pod this week. It's really a win win because I either win the bet or get to watch <laughs> Urban Meyer melt down on the sidelines. So if you look at it that way, I can't lose. I like it. I like it, man. So if you want to follow Stephen on Twitter, at Stephen Anderson, you want to follow Brad at Brown on Ill you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2 guys. Good luck on all your week two bets. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>